You're listening to Having a Chat on CJRU in Toronto, the show where we take interesting people with interesting tastes in music and talk to them about the music that they love. All right, so there are very few folks around who have done and seen as many important moments in British music history as today's guest, Clint Boone. Through his role as the keyboard player and songwriter of the Inspiral Carpets, Clint helped craft the Madchester sound, which is something that we've talked a lot about on this show before. He's got lots of great stories to tell, and we're very excited to have him here with us to chat about some music. This is Having a Chat. Hi Alex, message from James uh, from the Oasis podcast, hope you're well. Uh, Just wanted to say well done for some of the amazing guests you've had on recently. Uh, I mean, Alan McGee, Peter Hook, Gaz Whelan, fantastic, you know, really good stuff. Um, You know, and uh, legends of British music and Manchester music especially, which is obviously something that I'm interested in. Um, So a couple of questions for you. Number one. How do you get such great guests? I mean, seriously, I've been trying to get Peter Hook and Clint Boone uh, for months, years even. I've never got them. What are you doing that I'm not? And also, any guests in particular that you are desperate to get on that you haven't yet? It would be really interesting to hear uh, who's on your hit list. All right, um, just to let everyone know, if they want to check out the Oasis podcast, if they're big fans of Oasis, it is at Oasis podcast across social media and anywhere you can find uh, girl podcasts. Oh, and I'm starting a new one as well on the film Trainspotting. So if that's something you're interested in, then uh, at Choose Life Pod is the place to find that. All right. All the best, guys. All right. Thanks very much, James. We appreciate the love. And uh, as he said, if you're looking for uh, for some great Brit pop and Oasis listening, check out the Oasis podcast, wherever you can find your podcasts. Uh, and to answer your questions, um, the secret, you know, it, it you know, I kind of like to, to mess with people and say it's like the caramel secret will never tell. But really, it just boils down to persistence, sending the email and sending lots and lots of follow ups. Uh, and then as for, you know, who's on my hit list? Obviously, you know, the big uh, the big Gallagher brothers would be an absolute dream. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'd also love to love to speak to Damon, uh, love to speak to anybody and everybody who has had a significant impact on music uh but then on top of that you know people uh people who are making cool music that uh that may not uh have the biggest spotlight on them they are always welcome on this show so uh so anyway uh thanks heaps to james and uh and on with the show yeah i mean man thank you so much for for coming on the show it's uh you know we we really appreciate you taking the time you're welcome. It's a good time to be doing stuff like this. Now that we've all got our heads around Zoom and things like that, it yeah. means we can do more of this kind of stuff rather than driving across town to find a studio and sit with somebody to do it face to face. This is dead easy, isn't it? Um, yeah. So I want I want to take it back to Manchester, if I may. Um, you know, I, I I saw a video of you um, outside the boardwalk in Manchester. You know, which which is a, a spot that we've talked about on the show before. Um, and you told the story of, I think it was you putting an Inspiral Carpets tape in New Order's car. Yeah. What can you What can you tell us about that? It would have been, the year would have been probably 1988. Mm-hmm. So before we'd made any records. Um, and I had a little recording studio, just a four-track studio that bands used to come and record demos at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd always, would master it onto cassettes and the bands would get cassettes duplicated. So we had, um, one day we were down Manchester, me and Graham, the guitarist, were always out knocking on doors, trying to get gigs, right. trying to get radio stations to play our tunes. And we'd, we'd just walk around with a bag of cassette tapes. And then um, we went to the boardwalk one afternoon, I think essentially to try and sort a gig out, because we, we were always supporting bands at the boardwalk. I think we got the record for playing the boardwalk more than any other band. I think that's the fact. Or it might oh. be, we might be in second place to Oasis. But I think we played there like 12 or 13 times. So it was one afternoon, we were down outside the boardwalk and Bernard Sumner of New Order pulled up in his car. He had a Mercedes convertible, two-door, I think it was 250 SL, I think it was called. Um, and we didn't really know him personally. We all nodded at him, but we didn't talk to him because, you know, we, we weren't that close to him. But we were all very cool. impressed. He turned up to see, I think it was a certain ratio we're recording, uh, sorry, rehearsing mm. in the basement at the boardwalk. And I think Bernard had come to see ACR 
or maybe Happy Mondays. And we were there outside with our bag of cassette tapes. I can actually show you the cassette tape that we did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on a hoarder, so I've got an house full of junk here. Um, Beautiful. It would have been probably this tape. Damn, so this wow. Is, uh, yeah, Dung 4 it was called. It's like an 11-track demo tape that we recorded back in 1987, I think it was, late 87. Um, and basically what we did, when Bernard walked into the club, and he, his car was there, and we leaned over into the dashboard of the car because it was convertible, yeah. and we popped out the cassette that was playing in his car, yeah. which I think was uh, Sharon Red. It was a disco artist that, he, that Bernard used to really love. We popped that out, put it on the back seat, and then we took our cassette and put it into the slot. Yeah. So that when he started driving again, our music would come on. Come on, yeah. So we just thought, cheeky move, but you know, we, we might never get to hear whether he's seen it. He might never listen to it. He'll just throw it out of the car and think we're right. cheeky buggers. But um, that night, we went to a club called The International in Manchester to watch a gig. Mm-hmm. And Bernard was there. He just happened to be in the crowd, uh, hanging out. So we walked over to him and said, did you get our cassette tape today? And he said, you cheeky bunch of, you know, whatever. Um, but I said, did you listen to it? He said, yeah, you sound like the Stranglers, yeah. which we did. And we do. And it was like, we're like, God, he's actually listened to it. Right. For him to say, well, you sound like the Stranglers, he's listened to that tape. And we became friends subsequently over the years with, with Bernard. Um, and Oki, Oki was a very close friend, still is. But yeah, that was um, a, a little example of back then, how if you took those little chances and those yeah. cheeky little cheeky little opportunities we call it blagging over here do a bit of blagging you know what i mean being yeah, a champion yeah. and we we're always doing that kind of thing and it paid off because people liked us and people liked our you know the way we were, we were quite industrious about working the band and getting places you know right very work, workmanlike in what we did a lot of the time um and i said that to bands now when people say what do you recommend what would you advise us to do as a band now trying to get through or an artist trying to get recognized just look at whatever tools you've got around you and embrace them and at the moment it's things like you know the macbook is an amazing creation and it's changed my life logic pro x the music making software which is what i use for making music these days 120 quid to buy the app life-changing you know what i mean and then you've got you know the social media stuff is bigger and better than it's ever been you know i was i was you know i I was uh, astounded when myspace was created at what a great thing it was what a great tool for people like me back then Right. But since then, you know, Twitter and Instagram and oh, it's like mixed cloud, SoundCloud. It's just yeah. uh, there's never been a better time to be a musician putting your music out there. I mean, yeah. granted, there's more competition now than ever because <laughs> everybody can get everybody can get Logic Pro X and Auto Tune and you know your little MIDI keyboard or whatever. Yeah, so there's course. a lot of people doing it now, which means that even professionals like me have got to keep on my toes to keep ahead of the game a little bit. Right. But um, yeah, there's never been a better time for. Um, People want to make music and people want to share that music around the world. Whether you can generate money from it, that's a different thing now because a lot of people are expecting everything to be free, aren't they? Uh, yeah, street yeah. And that. But um, no, I'm excited about the, the, the techni- te- technological moment that we're in at the moment. It's just, right. it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to take that, the, the way the format of the show works is we, we, we kick things off like on the music front with a tune of yours. Um, and, you know, I, I was sort of, I, I recently bought this sort of above ground inflatable pool thing and I was hanging out with a couple of my friends in it last night. We were just listening through a bunch of your tunes trying to pick which ones to play. And um, the the riff that sort of refused to escape my mind was the one for Saturn V. So I think we're going to kick uh, kick off with that one. But cool. uh, what can you tell us about, uh, about Saturn V? It's a song that I wrote, very much inspired by Night Six Tears, Question Mark and the Mysterians. It's in the same key, it's the same notes, similar rhythm. Just one of the bands that were, you know, to me, a massive inspiration. Um, so when I wrote Saturn Five, I went, I went to visit the uh, Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas. Right. And I'm guessing it would have been late 93. I think the single came out night, early 94. Right. Um, I didn't go to the Space Center with the idea of writing a song. I've always been obsessed about outer space, well, space travel. Because I grew right. up in that generation. We watched the Apollo program, you know, through the late 60s and early 70s. That right. was like the most, one of the most incredible things I've ever witnessed was watching that week in, week out. It felt like it was every day. There was a man going up in a rocket. Right. 
So I went to visit the uh, space center <clears throat> and, uh, you know, just standing at the side of the, the Apollo rocket, the Saturn V rocket then. Yeah. Before it's in a big shed now, but back then it was just laid out on the grass. Right. Like all, all the parts were assembled end to end. And it was just like that song just came. I think by yeah. the time I left the space center, that song was in my head. Wow. You know, the Saturn V, you really were the great sight stretching out on a summer's day, using his column and back to it. And it was, um, I think by the time I got home on the plane, I remember it being in my head. I remember writing it down and making a note, the tune, based on the 96 years. And I knew when I took it to the band in rehearsal, because by the time I took it into rehearsal, it was complete in terms of the, the melody, the sound, the rhythm, the, um, the BPM, the melody, the lyrics, everything was there. And um, I knew it would end up being a single because it was just mm -hmm. so powerful what, what I felt and what I heard. And, and it worked, you know, it was one of our biggest records. And to this day, mm. people still love it. And it's just a song about a space rocket. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's all in, I mean, all the, the symbolism, everything that, that in there, a lot of it reflects or refers to my experience of, you know, being a kid growing up in the 60s, monochrome TV. It was all black and white TV back in those days. Yeah. I think it was like 1972 or 73 before we got colour television in our house. So it's all monochrome TV. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to understand if you listen to words and, uh, President 35 is John F. Kennedy. Uh, right. The lady crying by his side is Jackie Onassis, Jackie Kennedy. Um, so it's me just putting, it's a little photograph of my, 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 you know, my experience of the 60s, being a child growing up in Oldham and watching these fellows on the other side of the world um, for the moon. You know, it's just an incredible thing to experience. So it's all in that song, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, and another lucky thing, right? You know, you, you just happened to be uh, to be checking out the Saturn V rocket and it just yeah. kind of kicked off that inspiration, took you back to that place. Yeah, it's again, yeah, if I hadn't gone there that day, that song wouldn't exist. Yeah. You know what I mean? And because it, it was that, that effect that, that's the thing with being a songwriter. You can get a, a moment where something happens. It's, it's, it's beyond words and music. It's like what I felt standing next to that amazing man-made, structure that took people to the moon it's like wow you know it's just yeah i hate you and if you're a songwriter it comes out as a song <laughs> if you're a painter, it'll come out as a, a picture but to me it was just like yeah probably one of my greatest songs that was, yeah. was that what we're about to hear yeah well certainly one of my favorites this is uh saturn five by the inspiral carpets on cjru
So I wanna I wanna get into into your tunes now the the songs that you picked uh, to play. Um, we've got uh, we're gonna kick things off with the only ones, another girl, another planet. What do you like about this tune? When the punk thing came in, it was like late '76 and through '1977. The appeal was the the anger, the revolution, right. you know, the kicking against the machine, and a lot of what I was listening to back then at the beginning, it was abrasive. You know, it was like, like I, talk, I talk about playing my vinyl. I've got a really nice sound system. Which I love playing vinyl records. Right. But the punk records I was listening to back then, they're not a great listen on vinyl. If you're looking for a sonic experience, <laughs> the Ramones isn't it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Where I think Floyd is, Led Zepp is. Right. You know, like the new Richard Ashcroft album, or the Paul Weller album. But, you know, they're a great sonic thing that you can really get into. The music I was listening to back then, doesn't really have a place on modern hi-fi systems. You know, it's, I've, re- right. I've realized that now. It was angry. It was edgy. It was, you know, ah. Yeah. And then I started hearing records like, I remember the first time I heard Marquee Moon by television. Right. And that was, it was a punk record, but it, it was like, hang on, this is otherworldly. Yeah. It's part of where we're coming from here. It's part of the same gene pool. But that is like just otherworldly and, um, you know, majestic. And I started really picking up on music that was like that, like when Magazine, Howard DeVoto left Buzzcocks. Mm-hmm. There was a real edgy band. Yeah. And he set up a, a band called Magazine. I don't know if you're familiar with Magazine. Yep, yep, absolutely. And it was suddenly, it's really, these electronic sounds that I never heard, like synthesizers, and suddenly I can hear a bass line. What's that? It's a bass, a bass guitar can sound like that. <laughs> but it's like, I started really getting enticed by this other sort of music. And the only ones, uh, Another Girl, Another Planet, was one of them. It was essentially a punk record, but it, it took me to places that I'd not experienced uh, with a punk record before. I think it came out in 78. But the rush, of, like the intro, the way it builds, and they, is yeah. it a rush? It's like you're running and you, you're running slightly downhill and you just go in with it. And that's the way it makes me feel. The lyrics are absolutely beautiful. It's not a love song about love, it's about heroin, apparently. Um, and when you listen to it yeah you do I didn't realise at the time I thought it was just an amazing love song but you know to me it's still it is a love song Um, I sung it to my wife on the night we got married at our wedding reception I got a band to turn up as a surprise and play that tune and sung it Um, so it's a a very important personal song but it's also one of the most amazing records ever made just gorgeous Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, I can't put it any better than that. This is the only ones with another girl, another planet on CJRU. Another girl, another planet, another girl, another planet. 
right. Uh, next up, let's uh, let's talk about the Beach Boys uh, with God Only Knows. Uh, what do you like about the Beach Boys? Again, from you know, from an early age, that sound, everything, you know, the vocal harmonies, the the the, the sunshine. You can hear the sunshine. Can't you? certain records that just got sunshine written all over them. And yeah. Beach Boys have always been brilliant at that. Not just because they got the word beach in the title. Right. They've just always been the greatest vocal harmony band, haven't they? And um, so from a kid, from being a kid, they were always there. You know, they were always there on the radio. Good vibrations was a massive moment for me hearing that for the first time. Um, and I think Pet Sounds is just, it's its one of my personal favourite albums. Right. Um, I remember when I used to play it in the, again, back in the, when I lived in Rochdale, the, the little town in, in near Manchester I used to live in. And there was a time I used to play it every single day. I'd get up and I'd put that record on. Mm-hmm. Um, my eldest child is my, my daughter, Arlie. Um, she was only a baby at the time. And just every day, I'd play it to her and dance around the front room with it on. The opening mm-hmm. track, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice? Yeah. It's just like, and I've said it before, and I think I've, I've, I hear myself saying this, and I know it sounds a bit, it does sound very dramatic, but I always think if the way that that record makes me feel when I listen to it, if every world leader started every day by listening to Pet Sounds, yeah. there'd be no war, there'd be no yeah. famine, there'd be no, it would just be, the world would be a much gentler place, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the way that that record makes me feel. Yeah. Um, and when Brian Wilson made it, you know, coincidentally, one of the things he said was, I want to make a record of sounds that make people feel loved. I think right. that was the way he worded it. And that's exactly what it is. Every single note on that, every single instrument, every sound, every vocal, it's like, it's like, oh, God, that's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. But God only knows. It's just like, wow. Just, yeah. In it, every time, you know, it's um, mind-blowingly beautiful, that record. So, yeah, yeah Beach Boys, God only knows. Uh, that's the next choice. All right, well, this is the Beach Boys. If God only knows, you can share you. I may not always love you, but long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it. God only knows what I'd be without you If you should ever leave me Will life will still go on, believe me The world could show nothing to me So what good would living do me? God only knows what I'd be without you What do you uh, what do you like about Sam Fender? I wanted to play something that's a bit more up to date because a lot of the stuff I've talked to her is retro and you know what what shaped my taste all these. Sam Fender's somebody that I first heard, I'm guessing two years ago now when we, we started playing his singles on on the radio station. 
Um, and you could tell right away there's a different sound to it. There's a real darkness to what he's writing about. Mm. Some of his stuff is very Bruce Springsteen-esque. You know, I think mm. Bruce is one of his biggest influences. I got to interview him once on the phone. I've not met him personally yet. I did a really beautiful interview with him over the, um, over the internet or whatever. Um, but I'm just really smitten with his music. And when I got his album, his debut album came out last October. And it's called Hypersonic Missiles. Mm. And I got the vinyl copy of it. So at this point, I'd heard two or three singles, uh, Play God, uh, The Sound, Hypersonic Missiles. And I loved every one of them. And I got the album. I thought, I'm going to wait to, till a, a Sunday afternoon when I know I can listen to it uninterrupted right. uh, in my, my music room upstairs. Um, and that's what I did. And it was probably, I probably had the album in my house for like two or three weeks at this point. Right. And I put it on the vinyl and track one is the, the title track, Hypersonic Missile, which is a beautiful track about the end of the world. Track two is called Borders. And it's, um, it's about growing up with, I'm assuming it's his like stepbrother or something like that. Um, so I'm only like six minutes into the record at this point, and I'm reading the lyrics. He's got a thick northeast accent uh, from yeah. Newcastle area. Um, from uh, North Shields is the town he's from. Got a thick accent, so he's got a beautiful voice, but it's good sometimes to read the words so you can see exactly what he's saying. Of course. And by I think two minutes into track two, I was crying at the, at the how powerful it was what he was, what he was doing. This he's 23 at the time. This kid probably 22 when he made the record, yeah. and for somebody so young to write lyrics that are not only topical to do with what's going on in the world at the moment i.e what a mess the world is right. there's references to brexit in it um it's like it's it's so angry in parts but the, the the social observation or the social commentary within it is incredible for a kid so young mm. and i was just crying at the, the beauty of it how can how can some young lad from the northeast write a song uh, write an album that's powerful enough to make somebody that's been through some of the things I've been through and yeah. it can make me cry. You know what I mean? Cause of the, the, the profound beauty of what's in it. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and I know he's going to be massive in the, in the North America are going to love him as well. I'm sure if they don't already. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's been, I think he's been on some big TV shows over there, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, like people are definitely starting to kind of, you know, take notice yeah. of him a little I, bit. I would just say to anybody, anybody who's ever loved a record or loved music buy that album because yeah. you will not regret buying it. It's a thing of beauty. And it's as good as, if it was a Springsteen album, people would say it's the greatest work he's ever done. Do you know what mm. I mean? That's how wow. I believe about it. If it was Neil Young, it'd be the same. It's just, it's that quality of writing. And, uh, and yeah. I think in this country, I mean, a lot of the big household name, alternative music stars, you know, the, the big guys in our game, right? big songwriters, you know, the, the even they, even they're not writing music as good as that. They're not right. writing songs as powerful as Sam Fender's. A lot of them, you know, these are multi-millionaire people now that are still at the top of the game. And some of what they're putting out sounds a bit like they're just pedaling along. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. People that made life-changing records back then um, sometimes sound like they're going through the motions now because they're not hungry anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? They've yeah. got, they've lost that. They've lost that fucking that grit and. Sam's got it totally, and I'm hoping that he'll carry on. You know, ten years from now, he, he will be a Springsteen or yeah. a Leonard Cohen. He'll be up there. That he'll be one of them. Yeah. If he keeps that, if he stays alive, he's a bit of a party animal, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Stay alive, Sam. Stay alive yeah. and keep at it because you know I've never, I've never known a, a debut album be as um, as powerful as that. And I know wow. definitely, maybe it was an amazing debut album, absolutely life changing for millions of people, but. What Sam Pender's done is, uh, it's it's crazy how, how, how unique it is, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Sam absolutely. Pender, I think we should play Borders, and I I would have played Hypersonic Missiles, but Borders is the track that brought me to tears, you know. But right. if you get a chance to listen to it, if you're listening to this now, do get all of the copy with the lyrics and read the lyrics as you're going through the album because um, it is an, an amazing thing that he's created. Yeah, absolutely. All righty. Well, this is Sam Fender with Borders.
All right. Next up is uh, is the is the CanCon quota segment of the show. So, uh, Canadian radio, we're required thirty percent of the content has to be Canadian. So, uh, we appreciate you picking a Canadian album. We're going to play three songs off of it, but you've picked uh, the Electric Lucifer by Bruce, is it Bruce Hack? Yeah. So this is a record that I've got it here. I've dug it out for you. It's a record oh beautiful. That, um, that's the album. Yeah. And. When I bought it, I didn't realise it was Canadian, I must admit. So I've had, I bought this in probably <laughs> 1984, 85. It was made in, it was released in 1970. Um, and it's got an interesting history. I bought it because of the cover. Yeah, the cover Yeah, I, went, I used to go to a lot of record sales, you know, like second-hand record first. Right. So back then, I mean, that, I don't know, it, it might cost me like two quid or three quid back then. And you could take a chance on buying a record. If you like the cover, you could think, right, that looks like a psychedelic. I'm going to have it. Right. And I took it home. And the opening track is um, Electric To Me Turn, which is probably going to be the, one of the most unusual tracks you've ever played on your radio station. Right. Um, and the entire album's like, it's really experimental, electronic, quirky, strange, surreal, psychedelic. But when you read about the history of it, what Bruce Ack did was... Um, he made educational records. These recordings were made to educate young people, right. school kids. And this record's all about the environment. Do you know what I mean? It's about yeah. the damage that the human race are doing to the world. Back then, right. 1970, 1969, he recorded it. I think he passed away a few years ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I occasionally play Electric to Return on the radio shows. 
Yeah. Um, just as an example of pioneering electronic music. Right. Because before this, there wasn't much like this out there. You know what I mean? It was right. like the early days of synthesizers. As well, we didn't he invent a couple synthesizers himself? Yeah, he, he created his own machine. So the electric Lucifer is the name of an instrument that he created like a synthesizer. But I've got a feeling it'll be his studio that he probably, you know, worked in. But the electric right. Lucifer became the name of this album. Um, so, and I don't think there's any swearing on it. Cause I don't think people swore on records back then, did they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think we should play track one, Electric to Me Turn. Yeah. And then uh, track five is War. Um, and the, the final track is Requiem. But basically, in a nutshell, it's about what a mess we've made of the world. So it's things that we've talked about elsewhere in the interview. Um, but like I said, the sounds just... I wish I could have seen this guy at work, to be in that studio when he was making noises like you're about to hear. Right. Um, There's another act called Perry and Kingsley, a couple of American electronic okay. music pioneers. Um, I can't remember the full names, Gershon Kingsley and Jean-Jacques Perry, I think, probably. But, but they made similar music, really quirky, yeah. you know, just weird electronics and tape loops and things like that. But these were the real pioneers of electronic music to me. Right. Um, I've never seen anybody else talk about that record. I've never read about anybody uh, in the industry quoting it as an influence or anything. So very rare. Um, and to me, just... Monumental. I think people that know my music that I've made yeah. up the years will realise that why this has been such a powerful uh, influence on some of what I've done with my keyboard sounds over the years. Yeah, it's very, uh, very surreal. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like I said, I think he died a few years ago, so no longer with us. But Bruce Hack, H double A C K, the Electric Lucifer. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's hear it. Uh, this is three songs from the Electric Lucifer by Bruce Hack on CJRU. <laughs> Oh, my God. 
<laughs> find out if you get complaints blame it on me yeah. <laughs> Boone. 
All right. Yeah, I'll be sure to I'll be sure to send the angry mob your way. Um, so uh, so we're gonna wrap the show up now, and and the way we always end it is uh, is with another one of your tunes. Um, and so we're gonna we're gonna play this is how it feels. Yeah. Uh, another uh, carpets tune. Um, another one that just you know listened to it outside with my friends last night, and it just. It, it just kind of stuck in my head, and you know, I know it's it's one of it's one of your the group's bigger songs. It's probably um, our biggest one in terms of what it's created for the band. I mean, from the minute it came out, it was a a, a career changing record. Really, it's like right. it opened a lot of doors. It opened a lot of people's minds to the brilliance of the band because before this was released as a single, we were we were famous for being a, a garage band, psychedelic sixties, right. you know punk trashy at times right um and then suddenly we put out this incredibly emotional ballad right i wrote it. it's another one that i wrote and i remember writing it and feeling at the time it was like something about that i experienced personally it was very powerful guilt um and i wanted to put in a song without giving the story away too much so i created a little what in england they call it um kitchen sink drama right created this little household that we're having this issue and put all the feeling into it and it worked you know this is how it feels to be lonely it's like it's an emotion that everybody in the world can relate to you yeah. know what i mean even if you you know from a good family and you've got a career it's like we all get those amazing or not amazing those uh profound lonely moments we all yeah. get that every human being gets that at some point and um i wanted to capture that and and i think it captured it perfectly and i think that's why all these years later it's still it's played on the radio every yeah. day, not just our radio station. A lot of radio stations play it. It's played in clubs constantly. Yeah. It's, it's sung by football fans up and down the UK. It's become a real, you know, football tourist anthem. Wow. You know, currently it's a, a theme song for the Manchester City players. They they tease the uh, the United, sorry, not the players, Manchester City fans right. adopted it as a song to wind up the Manchester United fans. <laughs> so that was previously the United fans were singing it to the City fans. Right. This is how it feels to be City. This is how it feels to be small. This is how it feels when your team wins nothing at all. So for years and years, <laughs> Manchester United fans have taunted City fans with that song. So you're talking right. every week, 20,000 people singing it. Right. And that being televised a lot of the time. And then when Manchester City got massive yeah they kind of yeah and they're just completely the biggest team in the country then so then the city fans are singing it to the united fans and so it's now their tune and then alongside that you've got some of the scottish teams are using all the scottish fans are singing it against each other um when they televise cricket matches in the uk or on sky uh you know when the cricket players get bowled out and they have to walk back to the pavilion they put right. that tune on Wow. So it's got this massive life of its own that I've got no control over anymore. And it's yeah. It's beautiful. At the same time as it's it's uh no, it's nice, it's just beautiful. Because yeah. it's like I've created a child and it's out there now living. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's now a thirty year old person that's out there yeah, you know, making people happy, making people what whatever emotion it's giving to them. So yeah. it's um as a songwriter, that's like Probably the greatest feeling you could ever have that. The fact that that song's going to live longer than me. You yeah, know what I mean? It's, like it's crazy. Yeah, it's, um, when you look at that, it's a beautiful thing, you know. So that's, uh, as a songwriter, that's, I think, what I live for, you know. That's yeah. what I, 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 you know, what I yearn to, to do, you know, to create music that will have a long life and uh, change people's feelings and yeah. hopefully make them feel better. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and the the bit of the song that really, you know, does it for me is like you know th th it's almost your key part at the beginning just that 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 riff it really it's it's very eerie and in a way it, it really does kind of capture that sort of that loneliness what did you like I, mean, I guess it's kind of a simple question but how how did you capture that in in the sort of that hook that comes right out of the gate uh so I would have started writing the song in my head. We were on tour and I came up with the idea and the, the melody and the words and the, the emotion. It started with the emotion, this song. Right. It started with a feeling that I wanted to put into a song. So I wrote some words down from what I can remember. And the, the, 
the reason the music sounds, or you know, my part of it, it was the Farfisa compact duo. So the, the 1966 Italian electric organ that I use. Right. It was written entirely on that. So the first part of the music is the, the basic three note chord. Because I'm not Ray Manzarek or Dave Greenfield, all these little great keyboard players, I've never been good at scale. So a lot of my songs right. have got a very basic three part, you know, chord riff. And then over the top of that, I put the Farfisa doing a, an oboe. It's an oboe yeah. sound. So because the, mu the machine was created in 1966 before real music synthesis, the sounds on there that are flutes, oboe, strings, whatever else, don't actually sound like the instruments they're supposed to emulate. They sound yeah. like a strange uh, transistor version of it, which yeah. is what gives the instrument its beauty. But that oboe line, I think that's what gives it the, um, the real sort of melancholy that you're talking about. Right. And I've never been a composer, you know, I never studied music, but that's just something that came out, a, a, a little phrase um, yeah. that captures the sadness yeah. of uh, what I was feeling like. And I think that's the, the riff you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, and I, you know, a chorus that's, even though it's such a sad thing you're singing about, it's anthemic. Yeah, it is. And it's like going back to what Brian Wilson did with Pet Sounds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Again, as I said earlier, I didn't want to align myself with Einstein. I'm not trying to align <laughs> myself with Brian Wilson now, but that's what I did. You know, I came up with that and I wasn't, you know, I was only at the time, 28 um, I'd never studied music I yeah. was a punk rocker but I came up with that and it's um, it comes from somewhere doesn't it yeah, yeah sometimes you born, just get it right we're all, we're all born with that somewhere in us um, and if you can put that feeling out through music yeah rather than you know through fighting or yeah. whatever you know there's ways of getting out your, your, your feelings and music's to me the best one for me to do so that's what I did and um yeah, the rest is history. Yeah. And I think that, that thing about, you know, that, that's such a sad lyric, but over an, an anthemic piece of music. Yeah. It's what the Smiths did, isn't it? It's, they did it with a lot of their songs. They were, they were dark lyrically. And, right. But, you know, the kind of uh, sad songs that are beautiful to sing with your arms around your friends. Yeah, in yeah. Pool, in an inflatable pool in Toronto one night. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. It's like, that's what music does. It's a great way of communicating, isn't it? And yeah. that record, you listened to that last night, was that came from me uh, 31, 32 years ago, feeling really down about some of that I did. You know, it's like, yeah. it's a lot of, uh, it's, just, it's just, it's amazing, isn't it? Like I said, the fact that that song will still be here when I've gone is yeah. mind-blowing. You know I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. That's how it feels. All righty. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well so uh so you know we're we're gonna wrap this up with uh with that tune but uh you know just wanted to say thank you so much for for coming on the show uh we really appreciate it you know we're we're big fans of yours and the music that you've created so uh well, well i'm a really big fan a of your city i'm a big fan of your country and i'm hoping that sometime soon i'll be able to come over and do some djing or do some uh, gigs or whatever with music um i'm always working on stuff that might ultimately involved me traveling out into the world and sharing it again so beautiful yeah hopefully that's what'll be happening yeah absolutely and just a reminder to those listening that you can get the full version of this conversation wherever you get your podcasts at having a chat and this is this is how it feels by the inspiral carpets on cjru kids don't know what's wrong with mom she can't say they can't see putting it down to another bad day daddy don't This is how it feels to be small. 
Yeah. 